welcome to Home Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I'm a realtor in Portland, Oregon, and a home functionality coach nationwide. I geek out on every subject imaginable regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot, no matter if you reside in a 4,500 square foot home or 350. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. Follow along on social media under the handle Space and Reason. If you listened to episode 61, you heard the digital deputy editor of Better Homes and Gardens, Rachel Weber, talk about Swedish death cleaning. I didn't know what my prognosis was. I just knew I had cancer and I knew I didn't want someone having to clean out my stuff. I thought it was the perfect segue for an episode on this concept. Having recently lost a parent to COVID, I am personally working through things left behind. Sorting through boxes, yearbooks and clothing, filing cabinets and piles with my mother trying to make sense out of all her husband's stuff. 25 years of stuff. It's overwhelming and I have a brother and two step siblings to even help out. I can't imagine taking this on alone. Swedish death cleaning is removing unnecessary things to make your home nice and orderly when you think the time is coming closer for you to leave the planet. Now this could be when you're 35, it could be when you're 47, or it could be when you're 82. I think it's different for everyone. But the moral of the story is the longer time you have to do it, the easier it is. Recently, when talking with garage expert Mark Green for episode 59 on rethinking your garage, I let the recording continue as we deviated from the topic at hand, and he told me about the loss of his father a few years back, detailing all the things he and his sister were left to deal with. All arrows point to the discussion of Swedish death cleaning. When Rachel told me about it, I personally had never heard of it, but was intrigued by the concept. So I read the article by Better Homes and Gardens, which you'll find in the podcast notes of episode 61, and then promptly ordered the New York Times bestselling book titled The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margareta Magnusson. On page three, she says, But I've discovered that it is rewarding to spend some time with these objects one last time and then dispose of them. Each item has its own history and remembering that history is often enjoyable. When I was younger, I never used to have the time to sit and think about what an object meant to me in my life or where it came from or when and how it came into my possession. 
The difference between death cleaning and just a big cleanup is the amount of time they consume. Death cleaning is not about dusting or mopping up. It's a permanent form of organization that makes your everyday life run more smoothly. She identifies only as being between 80 and 100 years old and openly expresses in her introduction that you might imagine this is a sad exercise, but in fact, her approach is lighthearted and sometimes joyful and written with humor. It's a quick read that I am happy to have in my collection. She goes on to tell us, the readers, about her experience with her own mother, quote, My mother had been a very orderly, wise, and realistic woman. She had been sick for some time, and I believe she suspected she did not have a very long time to live, and had therefore started to plan ahead for her death. As I began to clean up their home, I found messages attached to clothes and many other things, small, handwritten instructions as to what should be done with everything. Some parcels were assigned to charity, some books were to be returned to their original owners, an old horse riding suit should go to the Museum of History, said a note fastened with a pin on one of the jacket lapels. There was also the name of whom I should contact at the museum. Even if the small instructions were not addressed specifically to me, she wrote, I felt consoled by them. I felt like my mother was there for me." End quote. The accumulation of things is real and happens as life happens, and we all bear witness to this. Well, it's funny. I learned a lot from my father, and he was an architect, he was an artist. My dad, though, was not tidy, organized guy like I am. He was the antithesis of me. Our garage was packed to the gills. I couldn't even put my bicycle in the garage. My dad grew up on a farm in Texas. He never threw anything away. And when he passed, my sister and I went down to his house, and it was overwhelming. And we were trying to figure out what are we gonna do with all this stuff? And then a friend came over to help us and he said, you know about your dad's storage containers? What? Oh yeah, down by the airport, he's got like four of these storage containers full of stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? He kept everything. I found Father's Day cards I made him when I was in elementary school. He never threw anything. He still had canceled checks from the 70s. He threw nothing away. Tell me about your wife and how she differs because of her childhood. Well, she grew up in a military family. They moved every three years. They couldn't keep everything. And her opinion of things, material things, is they are anchors that weigh you down, which is very refreshing. And I'm trying to be more like that because for me, every little thing, as I look around my desk here, has a memory to it. And I apply a memory to it and an importance to it to a level that sometimes is absurd, to be quite honest. Why do I keep that? I don't use it. I, it's tucked away. And that's why I said when I did my eBay binge, I pulled boxes out of things. I opened them up. I had all these toy cars, little all this stuff. And I thought, when was the last time I enjoyed this? Maybe it's time for someone else to enjoy it. You know, I'm a marketer. Yeah. So I took great pictures. I wrote great copy. I was turning what I call trash into cash. Well, that's a great place to start. A place that you know you have nice things that you haven't touched in far too long. And then jump on eBay and see what you can get for them. That would be rewarding. 
I am finding the most difficult part is the stuff that meant a lot to the person who passed, but not much to anyone else. When I lost my father and my sister and I were going through all that stuff, we found some things like that. And one of them were like all of his yearbooks from junior high, high school, college. And you're like going, oh. And so what I did was I took a photo with my, my phone of the front page. And then I took a picture of all the parts of the book that had his picture, which are maybe five or 10 pages. And then I did it with each of those. And I created a photo album on my computer. And that way I could recycle those and get rid of them. Without guilt. Outstanding. When I lost my father, he was also an artist. And one of those storage places had hundreds of paintings, canvas paintings. I looked at my sister and said, oh my gosh. Now there's sentimental importance there because these are his works of art, but I don't have the room. And a lot of the art wasn't really something I liked really anyway. Yeah, my dad did it, but uh. So what we did was we found a veterans organization that helps vets with PTSD. And they give them the ability to come in and create art to change their focus off their PTSD and, and what they're distraught about to art. So we contacted a veterans group in San Diego. The lady came out and she went nuts. She goes, oh my gosh. She goes, well, I have to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to gesso over all these. So they're clean canvases and we're going to give them for our patients to work on. And we had all my dad's art supplies. So you wouldn't believe the amount of art supplies, paint. I mean, it was overwhelming. She thought she'd hit the jackpot because all that stuff is expensive. I mean, to buy a canvas that's stretched is expensive. We also put some aside and in his memorial service, we put them all around and we told everyone you can take a piece of dad's art. He also did sculptures, ceramic. So we put those around. So there's lots of these organizations out there that, like you said, my wife works at a Montessori school. They love that stuff. I'm thinking my son has my dad's tinker toys in the original containers. I think there's no better feeling than having something that is useless to you and that you may be paying to store even and having it end up in the hands of an organization doing wonderful things to help others in the community. And that donation helps them either save money or enhance their organization in some way. I mean, that is a win-win. That's as win-win as it gets. You'll laugh at this. My father had four vehicles, nothing collectible. They were just four vehicles. And I was trying to find the titles because we had to sell them and we can't sell them without a title. So I couldn't find them because my dad was not organized like me. We found over a hundred legal size file folder boxes in one storage bin. One hundred? No. Oh my gosh. So we're sitting there going through. Well, I find one and it says, it's written in red. It says important. And so I looked at Lisa, my sister, and I said, oh, here's, this is interesting. I opened it up. There's four titles to cars in there. I said, I found the car titles. They're not listed car titles. It's listed important. I found his dog's health insurance policy. He had two of them. And I found a letter. And I'll see if I can get through this without choking up. The letter said, dear kids, if you found this, I croaked. And then it was this whole letter to us. It was just, I mean, we sat there and cried. It was just, you know, heartwarming. Oh my gosh. And then he said, turn this over. And you turn it over. And he said, there's a gentleman from Tijuana who often came up and helped me with the many projects around my house. My dad lived on a hill in a canyon and he started at the top. And over the years, he worked his way down doing stuff. And when he would get to the bottom, he'd go back, and start over. His house was never done. He was always doing stuff, redoing stuff, rebuilding stuff. And on the back, it said, Jose is a man from Tijuana that came up and helped me a lot. He has five kids. He doesn't have much money. 
He has a business where he hauls stuff to the trash. He does construction. He's trying to make ends meet. Could you find it in your heart to give him one of my trucks and to give him all my tools? My dad had a double garage filled with tools. Now my dad, if he couldn't find his hammer because he didn't have a place for a hammer like I did, he'd go buy another one. There was like seven hammers in there. There were two table saws, three miter boxes, quadruples of every tool. I mean, it was insane. And I, you know, I told Lisa, I go, what am I gonna do with all these tools? So we called Jose. He had heard my dad died. He was a very nice man. And I said, could you come over here? I'd like to hire you to help us haul some of this stuff away. Oh, okay. He goes, I'll do it for free. And I said, no, no, no. So he comes over and I said, look, my dad wanted us to give you one of his trucks. And he goes, really? He goes, the Ford? Well, my dad had this brand new year old Toyota Tundra, beautiful truck. And he had this old red Ford truck that was like the dump truck. I said, no, we want to give you the Toyota. And he goes, what? Because that's brand new. And I said, well, that's two years old. He goes, that's, uh, that's, I, that's too much. And I said, no, my dad wants us to give you one of his trucks. I want you to have the best truck. And he said, well, how much? And I said, no, we're giving it to you. In fact, we're going to gift it to you because in the state of California in Washington, you can gift a car to somebody and they don't have to pay any sales tax on it. I mean, the guy came unglued. He couldn't believe it. And then it got really fun. I said, my dad told me that you borrowed a lot of his tools a lot of the time. And he said, yeah, but I always return them all. I don't have any of his tools, you know? And I said, we want to give you all of his tools. And he, the guy, he had to sit down. He, he like lost it because this changed his life. You know, it enabled him to do all this extra work. And he goes, all of them? I go, yeah, it's all yours. You just have to get it out of here by the end of the month because we're selling the property and we got to close and you know, he couldn't believe it. So what he did for us was all the other stuff we had to get rid of that we donated or we took the landfill. Um, he took all that for us, uh, it, you know, as a thank you. My dad was a very giving person. So, you know, that was a way to kind of give back and help somebody. I flew down there. I think it took me eight weekends with my sister to go through everything. It was, we just kept finding stuff. I mean, it just, it was overwhelming. So it it created for me to come home and say, I got to unload some things. I don't want to do this to my kids because honestly, your kids don't want your stuff. There might be a few things like, you know, there was a, my dad's high school ring. We gave it to my son. Uh, there was uh, a watch or something, you know, but my dad didn't really have expensive stuff. He's, he didn't, wasn't into that at all. What a fantastic story. Again, this is something that is useless to you and found its way to the hands of another person who, or organization, who it can be life-changing for. What a wonderful, wonderful experience. Okay, now share with me, if you would, the story about going through your wife's parents' home after they had passed. We were going through things and she goes, you know, my dad was pretty good at hiding stuff. I'm wondering if there's stuff hidden in this house somewhere of value. Inside the house was a mechanical closet for the hot water heater and the forced air unit. Under it was a vented area with these vents on the wall. And I was standing there looking at it and we were kind of looking, I went up in the, I found stuff in the attic and, and I, I said, do you think that he hid anything underneath here? And she said, I don't know. How do we get to it? I said, well, let me take the, the vent off. He was a Marine. 
we found three huge, giant duffel bags from Vietnam. I said, whatever's in here, it's heavy, full of silver. What? Silver bars, silver coins, thousands of silver dollars, giant ingots of silver. I wish it had been gold. I mean, it was worth a fortune, but if it had been gold, it would have really been a, uh, amazing. And she goes, my dad was always into coins. I thought he'd gotten rid of all of this. She goes, I don't even think my mom knew this was under here. And he had even stuffed them in the back and put bricks in front so that if you looked with a flashlight to the grate, you saw bricks. Holy buckets, it's a good thing you didn't sell that house with all that in there. Yeah, somebody would have found a treasure trove. Yeah, and then her mom had stuffed $100 bills everywhere. Get out. I, I went, there was a, a can up in the top, like an old can of coffee, and it, it had $10,000 worth of $100 bills in it. You're kidding Again, me. Again, they're from a different era. Yeah, in fact, it's funny. My mom didn't use stuff. She kept it. I have this thing about keeping things and not using them, like a pad of cool paper. It's the stupidest thing. And I got an epiphany one day. I was visiting my mom. I went into her bathroom and there's this shell with all these bubble baths and bathroom soaps and things still in cellophane. And I said, mom, is that the gift I gave you like last spring for Mother's Day or something? You know, she goes, yeah. Why haven't you used any of that stuff? Oh, it's just so pretty. And I went, you're the reason I'm a nutcase. And she, and she goes, what are you talking about? I said, I have this weird thing about not using up stuff, saving it for the day you need it but you don't ever enjoy it. I still had a notepad that my mom had made for me with my name on it when I was in high school in a drawer. It's stupid. You're going to die someday and you never got to enjoy it. She said, growing up in a military family where we literally had to get rid of almost everything when we moved every three years, I used stuff and I enjoyed it. I didn't care about it. But you know me, like with cars, I want to preserve them and and every time I would sell a car, I'd look at the guy drive away and I'd look at Jill and I go, I saved that car for him. Why did I do that? Yeah. I should have driven it more and enjoyed it. So I'm really, I've really tried to change that way about me and enjoy the things I have and not worry so much about the material things. Speaking of cars, here's something interesting that I learned about death and car titles. If more than one name is listed on the title, like that of you and your partner, for example, you need to have the letters J-T-W-R-O-S on it too, in order for it to include joint tenants with right of survivorship feature. In at least Washington, North Carolina, and many other states, the title must have JTWROS on it for it to pass on automatically to the spouse or other person listed on the title. So check to see if it's the same in your state. If you want a jointly owned car to have the right of survivorship feature, and if the title lacks those letters, both the joint owners can take the title and registration to the DMV and have a new title issued with those letters on it. And there may be a transfer fee. I tell you this because my mother was on the car title with her husband. The car was paid off and in their possession, and it was sitting at a vacation home many states away. After he passed, she decided she wouldn't be going there again since this trip was mainly his thing, and she wanted to sell the car and eventually the home. However, she can't 
Why? Because the car title lacked those initials, even though she is the other person on the title. And now she has to wait at least nine months for probate court to do its thing in order for her to have the right to sell the very car she already owns. Wild, right? As a realtor, I've walked through homes that are on the market because someone has passed and sometimes the amount of things inside those homes is intimidating and buyers can't see through the stuff to understand what kind of home they're even buying. And in those cases, the question often arises, have they even cared for this home or done any maintenance? In the book that I referred to earlier, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, Margareta Magnusson, the author, says, quote, If someone has lived in a home for many years where children, grown-ups, relatives, and guests have stayed and felt welcome, that same someone is often so busy that they never think of reducing the number of things in the household, and so the number of possessions grows and collects quickly over the years. Suddenly, the situation is out of control, and the weight of all those things can begin to seem tiring, end quote. In this book, she recommends thinking of things in terms of categories, and then starting with one that you know is easily handled with a specific intent of feeling an accomplishment at the end, and then moving forward without going down the steep and emotional hill of the photos, letters, and personal documents category. She recommends saving that for last. Another interesting tidbit that I learned from going through this process is when someone passes, leave their cell phone on a minimal plan because to access many of their accounts, make payments, change account names, etc., you'll need to go through a two-step verification process that likely involves a text message to their phone number. And if you turn off the phone, you've just made things harder on yourself. This is especially true if the person who has passed is the only person logging into this account on behalf of both people. Take my parents, for example. He paid the bills exclusively, so she did not have logins set up. One might extract from this, as far as Swedish death cleaning goes, to make sure you and your partner both have login access to all accounts so it doesn't leave the other blowing in the wind, struggling to find out what's happening and who to pay or what is owed. And before I get to the questions, I want to mention one thing you can do today. Find one thing you've been meeting to get rid of and either list it on the Buy Nothing Facebook group page or literally set it in the passenger seat of your vehicle to donate it. Figure out a group that could use it, a nonprofit that can sell it, or a site it can be listed on. Just do that one item. Baby steps. And now for the questions to ask yourself about your home space and your reason. Get your pencil. Question number one, what stuff do I have that could be life-changing for an organization like the paint supplies that went to the veterans organization that Mark talked about helping PTSD veterans? So you could donate them and feel good about it instead of feeling bad or negative about it. 
Question number two. If I were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, look around, what would be the biggest burden in terms of things for my family? Take care of that first. Question number three. Do I have a will? And if so, when is the last time I updated it? Regardless of how much money you have, a will ensures your priorities are heard. It outlines that whatever personal belongings and assets you have will go to the beneficiaries that you list. If you have minor children, a will ensures that you get to choose your children's legal guardian should you pass before your children are adults. You can also name an executor, which is the person you trust to have the authority to be sure that your wishes are carried out and to ensure that all of your things are in order from paying bills to canceling credit cards. Without a will, a court makes these decisions on your behalf through a lengthy and usually stressful process called probate. And if you get hit by a bus tomorrow and don't have a will, you will inadvertently subject your family and loved ones to unnecessary confusion and anxiety during an already difficult time. There's so many places online that have this available and it doesn't have to be complicated. Question number four, what do I have stored either in the attic or in the basement that I haven't touched for years? Can I go through this as a project? For example, all those baseball cards you've been hanging on to from when you were a kid, can you get them out and look at them, have them evaluated and perhaps sold or auctioned? Baby steps, just one step at a time time. Question number five. Lastly, if you find yourself on the other end of this as a younger person trying to get yourself a kitchen table, keep in mind as you choose things that these things, if chosen wisely, can last a lifetime. And those storage spaces you have that are currently empty do not have to be filled. Living lighter has so many advantages. As always, you can find the link to the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning in the podcast notes. If there's one thing that absolutely works for me, no matter what the topic is, it's a checklist with a defined timeline. If I know my big picture goal broken down into what I need to do and by when, you can count on me. So give yourself a structure for your death cleaning journey by listening to episode 54, a boot camp for your house. Creating a home that thrives means embracing evolution, continuing to tweak your home to function better or differently as the seasons of your life shifts. In the simplest terms, It's imperative that your home helps you to feel better about life and the ease at which things happen within the walls of your home. If you have a smart home device, you can say, play the Home Space and Reason podcast by Apple and easily listen while you fold laundry, weed the flower beds, or do your neighborhood walk. If you've got an internet connection, I can do a home functionality consult with you no matter where you live. But if you happen to live in the greater Portland metro Oregon area, I can help you search for your next home 
with home functionality at the forefront of the buying process. If you're needing to sell, let's get your home set up to look and function its best to get top dollar for your investment. I'm a realtor in the state of Oregon, so not only can I address the inevitable concerns and questions that will arise when you're thinking of buying or selling, but I can add value to the transaction by discussing home functionality, your lifestyle, and solving the puzzle of odd spaces. Do you have feedback? I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at Christina with a K at space and reason.com. If you long for a more fulfilling outdoor space, I have a series of episodes ideal for you to binge listen to. Episode 25 starts with great curb appeal, followed by episode 26, all about creating great outdoor spaces. Next up, episode 27 talks about attracting hummingbirds, butterflies, and birds into this space. And then episode 28 is all about fencing and hedges and privacy screens. They don't have to be ugly. They can complement your aesthetic. If you're fortunate enough to have a garage, it's often the biggest room in your home. Some people think of that as a storage place to put things that are unsightly or maybe even incomplete. Sometimes things accumulate to the point that all your square footage isn't even useful any longer. Episode 59 features garage expert Mark Green, who offers thoughts, insights, and ideas of ways to reimagine your garage so you get the most out of every square foot. You'll find the link to his Cars Yad podcast in the notes. I wanted to send an extra special thank you to Mark Green, who unknowingly ended up participating in two episodes of my podcast. Thanks for taking the time to catch up and let the conversation organically take us off the original topic of garages for a bit. You provided great ideas and insight about gifting, belongings, and perspective when a parent passes. You're going to want to subscribe to this podcast and join my Facebook group called Home, Space, and Reason. If you're anything like me, you appreciate visual examples, and so the two go hand in hand. If you subscribe and generally listen as the episodes are released, it's relatively easy to reference the coinciding images hitting my social media pages. Again, my handle is Space and Reason. My private Facebook group is also a great place to post questions and chime in with like-minded people. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. I'll meet you back here for the next episode. (laughs) 